Now I hope it works. Morning. Father, I just uh, commit this time to your hands. I pray you give us ears and a heart to hear what you would say to us this morning. Just pray and commit myself into your hands as an instrument fit for your use. In Jesus' name, amen. I like that slide. God, I have a, God has a plan for your life. Okay, we hear that all the time, don't we? Every time you go to church, every time someone preaches, God's got a plan for your life. Holy Spirit, you. I know that look. Okay, when God called me, I thought, what? Okay, and the journey of my life has been hanging on, the roller coaster ride of the Holy Spirit. I, I looked at the uh, St. Albans web thing last night and realized I'm talking cross-cultural. So I've just realized that now, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> It'll fit in, I'm sure. What I want to start with is in, in, uh, a, a bit of a challenge for everyone to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, for the next month, to read it every morning, and every night if you want, and in between. And um, I read it heaps. And if we are working with people, we must love unconditionally. Now I could know the scriptures inside out, upside down, know all that there is to know, but I have not love. It says it's just a gong. It's clangy, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And so if I want to love who God has brought me to, I first have to receive Christ's love in my heart so that I can love as Christ loves. And so as I started my journey down this pathway, the other scripture that often in the back of my head is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1 and uh, 2 and 3 was the call of my life when I was 25, but that was only a few years ago. And it talks about going, the, the river flowing out from the throne. And it goes out. And then it goes ankle deep. And then knee deep. Then waist deep. Until you're in it. And you can't get out of it. And that's where I am. I can't get out of it. Unless the Holy Spirit takes me out. And so that's uh, that part. See if this is going to work. Oh, look at that. It's, it's not tidy at all. They said they've got a messy church out the back there, haven't they? But it's not tidy. There's nothing tidy about what I do. In fact, sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. Just following God, going with God. There's a bit of history about myself. Um, I, my mum was Irish in Southern Ireland. Um, she was actually born in Tipperary. And um, she was fluent in uh, Irish Celtic. Um, my father, he's a Londoner, and he was a Cockney. How the two got together beats me. But growing up as a kid, it was quite interesting, culturally. And sometimes if you listen to my girls, they have a little bit of a Cockney slang. And some of the things, it just comes part of you. And I never was interested in uh, learning the Celtic speaking that my sisters and my mum did, and eventually they stopped. And so now it's lost to our family. But... I was uh, made to go to church when I was little because mum was a Catholic and that's what good Catholics do. So my culture started becoming, and church culture was very influenced by the Catholic church and the way it did, did things. When I was around about 12, I decided it wasn't for me and did my own thing until I got to about 18. And then I 
Christ arrested me. I became a Christian and just full on for God and just wanted to serve Jesus. And I went to numerous churches, Pentecostal churches and other churches where God shaped me. And so I learned Jesus Christ in my heart, deep in my soul, as my Father in, in heaven. I love Jesus. I mess up on a regular basis, and, and I try to get things right. Then I've got to come before God and then carry on and pick up the pieces. And where I'm going with this is I also have a culture, a church culture. Now, when I went down to Aranui, the culture was different, was Pacifica, Māori and the gang culture. And my church culture that I brought with me didn't fit, didn't work, but Christ did. So I had to learn what was Christ and what was my habits, what I've just picked up through the way. That's a, a cross that we carve for a, for a church, um, rat or more raf. My partner was sitting there talking to him. That's why all the no mistakes in it. But anyway, and it's talking about the brokenness of our life. And when we're reaching people, working with people, we have to be aware that we're also broken. And when we're journeying with, with people, we need to be aware that, that um, we're also sinners. And so I have a, a strong um, realization in my own heart that without Christ I'm nothing. And I, closer I try to push into God, the greater the awareness I have of my own flaws and my sin. It's like Christ radiates in on us. And, and so, like, I'll make it when I die and I go to be with my Father. Then I've made it. Until then, I journey in my own brokenness to people that are broken. Uh, just really, the Lord observed the extent of the human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on, on the earth. It broke his heart. It broke God's heart. It goes on, and the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy everything, living thing, the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm so sorry I'd ever made them. And nature is suffering right to this day because of mankind, because of what we've done. And what I want to bring out there, that's why I said at the start, that God had a broken heart. But yet in all this, in all this, like Christ came and paid the price that we no longer have to stand. And you brought it this morning with Israel and how we stand and our brokenness, but we have the fullness in Christ. But Noah found favor in the Lord. Noah found favor in the Lord because he walked close to God. And for me, as I've journeyed and where I've journeyed, I pray constantly for God's favor on all that I do and everywhere I go for God's favor so that I may find the favor of my God. That some of our young people. Many of us are more aware of our sin and failure than we are of the love of the Father. The grace of Jesus 
and the full forgiveness we have at the cross. But Jesus wants us to, to pray, knowing we are so loved by the Father and have peace in Jesus. And there's the key. I'm aware of my fault, but I don't stay there. I don't dwell on it. I just keep it there so it keeps me before the people. So I don't judge people. I don't want to ever judge anybody. And if someone asked me one day, they were talking to me, and they said, you know, sometimes, you know, you've got to bring the judgment of God. And, and, uh, and I said, well, I'll just leave that to you because I haven't got that on lockdown. And I've got so much issues in my own life and have such a need of God's grace, I'm going to err on grace rather than on judgment. And I know that there's a balance to everything. And that, and, that, and that this is true, even though our understanding is flawed, our performance is dismal, and we face many troubles. As a daily bread, I like reading that scripture union. But it is, you know, I'm a flawed vessel, but God still used me. You know, as I've journeyed along, and, and I, I know it's hard to imagine, but sometimes stuff comes out of my mouth, and I think, where did that come from, and why did I say that? You know, and other times I think something's a really good idea, but then it turns out not to be such a good idea. But yet I journey with God. That's a uh, guy sitting at the back there. That's Moy. He's a very good friend of mine. He's the most faithful, loyal person I've ever met. And he's been with me for a number of years. And he'll dare say he'll be with Tapaki as well. But he is an awesome man, and without people like that, we don't succeed in anything. So I'm aware of my own son, grace. So I don't look at what, what they, they are, but what they can be, okay? So it's just being really aware. When I see a young person or an adult or a people or a gangster that I'm, I'm, I'm journeying life with, I don't look at what, what you, you can see. But I say, Father, what can they be? What is the key to touch their hearts? Father, what do I need to do? How do I need to help? What is it? What is it, Father? And I'm constantly asking. And when we run our programs, I communicate with God as I'm running my program. What's next? What's next? Occasionally I've said something, they go, what? I oh, know, sorry, I was talking to God. But, you know, and it's important. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not what I used to be. So it's an ongoing journey in our life as we keep going. It's a more... You know, when they come in at that age, they stay around to the, to the older, hey, Tapaki. We can beat them in table tennis and pool, hey. But when they get older, we're having a hope. <laughs> having a hope. I want to touch on this here. Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the, the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of those things flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar and it, with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips and he said, 
See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sin is forgiven. Your guilt is removed. He saw what he was when he saw the power and the glory of God. The Spirit of God touched him with a live coal, the fire of God, if you want. And his guilt was removed. And your sins are forgiven. The hardest person I find in this life to forgive is me. And that'll keep me locked in guilt. But when I realize that my sins are forgiven, I'm freed from guilt. I'm free from anxiety. I'm free from getting depressed. And by the way, I have high levels of anxiety. I always have had. I just kind of hide it. But I journey with God and I stay close to God, it goes down. If I wander away, it goes up. And it's staying close to God. And it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here am I, send me. And that's the, the key, that as God purifies our heart, He has a call on every person's life. He has a purpose for all of us. And as we push into God, He will reveal where you need to go. I fell into my call. I was just journeying along, and then one day God said, Do this. You know, and, and it's just, and I just kept going, and just kept going, and just kept going. Let's check that out. Isn't that good? Isn't that a handsome man? That's what you're looking at, eh? Oh, you're looking at my little grandchild. Sorry about that. And in, in this scripture, you can read it. And it, it's, uh, you, know, you know, in a wealthy home, uh, uh, some utensils are made for gold and silver, and some are made for wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master's use for every good work. And, and for me, that's been a real key what I do in my heart. I want to be close to my father. I want him to clean my heart out. I want to go the journey so that I can be fit for my master's use. So when there's a, an opportunity, I don't miss it. I was like that before I was in ministry, I guess, for want of a better word. But growing up, when I first became a Christian in my workplace, they used to say, and I worked on a, uh, as a plumber and I worked on building sites, and they can be some hard places, uh, especially when you say some of the things I said. But anyway, I used to, a saying went around the building site one time, if you don't you know you're going to hell, stick around, he'll soon tell you. <laughs> I had to modify, I think, some of what I was doing. So that was my training ground and learning things. And seeing where we are in God, you know, as we see who God is, like the previous scripture, there's a young girl that's uh, been with me since she was at primary school. She's 25 years old now. And... One day she came to me and she said, Richard, I was going to steal a Bible because I want a Bible. I said, most Christians will just give you one if you ask. I said, do you want one? And she went, yes. And I said, why do you want this Bible? She said, well, I have seen my little girl lashed out at someone. She said, then I realized that sometimes I can get violent. And then I realized that my whanau is. And then I realized the community we're in can get very violent. And I don't want that for my little girl. So she said, I have to change. 
And she is a Christian. She is breaking away from this to that. She asked some pearly questions sometimes. And last time she asked one, I told her the Parky could answer it. But she asked Christ into her life. She's saved. But she didn't do it at a church. I didn't lead her in the sinner's prayer. I should have because it would have been a good one. But I, she found Christ when she saw where she stood. The same. So now she's a little evangelist, eh, Tapaki? Sharing with people. And that is the power of Christ. That's my team at the moment. That little Isabel seems to pop up everywhere. I don't know why that is. Want to know the secret? Well, I'm finished now. I'll catch you later. No. <laughs> to go on, no matter what the cost is, no matter what the price is, to carry on, just keep going. It's never going to be easy, and it is going to cost you. Journey until journey's end. It is so important. I started journey, and I'll finish the journey. And there's a young man, 17 years of age. I met him at 16. And this young man, when he turned 17, did something dumb and ended up in jail. He's now 30, 32, 33, some 15 years later, coming up for parole. I've journeyed with that young man. And not only have I journeyed with that young man, when he went to jail... His partner was pregnant. So while he was in jail, she had a baby. And I've, from the age of two months, has taken his partner to start with, with the baby. And then she went her own way, and I just kept taking his daughter, Lexus, to see him all the time. Journeyed that journey. Journey to journey's end. He did not want to know anything about my faith. He was 17 in this environment. He's got tough. And we used to talk and change and, and, and just, you know, catch up. Sometimes once a month I maintained, and if he was down, i go twice a month. At his parole hearing, they made a comment, and it was this, that he changed. They saw the change from this boy who hooked into the gangs in the prison system and went through the prison system. And they made this comment, what changed was he changed his mindset from jail mindset to freedom. We used to talk to him. When you get out, you could do a road trip with your daughter. She's 15 now. You know, and that's the journey to journey's end. And we can learn a lot from that one staying, the mindset. You know, sometimes Satan gets into our minds. And we need to have a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset they said something else about him which really spoke to me because I struggle with it. And uh, what he did was what put him in prison, he doesn't stop that from being who he is. doesn't define him. That's why the change. Our mistakes don't define who we are. We deal with it and move on as that man did. don't know why I went there, but anyway, it's good. Not on my way to someplace else, and that is so, so important. I'm not going anywhere else. I've been down there for yonks. 
I had the call of God on my heart for, for what I do, 1920, and that's what I do. You know, I'm not sort of wanting to become this or, or to become that. I want to stay below the radar and just be with the people, just work and be there. Providing a safe place, not trying to fix anything. I don't try to fix these people. I mean, <laughs> me? <laughs> you know, I have enough trouble fixing myself. But it's, it's the safe place. It's journeying with them. It's being there with them. And then they'll do what so many do. Ha-ha. God does it. God does it. When I suddenly realized I needed Christ in my life, it wasn't what the person said. It was the conviction of God's spirit in my heart that brought the change in my life. Allow them to be who they are and remain who I am. And that is important. And in and, and all that I do, I don't try to be a gangster. <laughs> I wouldn't be a very good one anyway, but you know, I don't try to be one. But they're my friends, and I love them dearly. And I journey with them. And all the people I journey with, they are who they are, and I am who I, who I am. I remain who I am. And, I, and I'm connected to who I am. And it's, and it's really important because you can get lost in it. You know, you can be working on something and then get lost in it. And you, you've got to keep yourself away. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And everything I do is asking God the heart. What's in the person's heart? When someone comes and works with me, and I've had people through the years, what's more important to me than whether they have qualifications or whether they're good at this or good at or bad at this, the first thing I will look at is their heart. Do they have passion for this community? Do they love the people? If they don't, you can have all the qualifications you want, they have not love, it doesn't make any difference to the people. Then Jesse told his son to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons presented, were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are they, these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. So he had another son, but he wasn't important, obviously. He just put him out there. God wouldn't be interested in that fellow, would he? Or would he? When I got saved and one of my friends heard that I'd become a Christian, they looked at me and laughed and said, if there was a God and there isn't, he wouldn't want someone like you. I like to catch up with him now. But and then he says this, we will, we, will not, we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. That's an interesting little, little point in there. Sometimes God says to me, wait. Wait? How long is wait? You know, I'm hungry, I want to eat now. Five minutes, sweet. 
Five days, not so good. A month. How long's wait? You know, at 19, I had this burning desire for ministry. I started this journey about 43, 45. All I learned all those other years that I was in ministry anyway as a plumber. The opportunities that come as a plumber to share my faith. Uh, going diving with my mates just before we get in the water because you can't talk much when you've got the tank and everything on. <laughs> you know, but so those those opportunities that we have. And so sometimes we wait. And sometimes God's calling, and we're probably calling people here, and we don't respond. And I'm going to tell a quick story in here. It involves me and John. And I was sitting here, and, and well, actually, I wasn't sitting. Well, I might have been because it used to be a big circle, didn't it? Anyway. And John was talking about the intermediate age group, and there was no one to run the intermediate age group, but I wasn't interested. I, I like being out in the community. And the following week, the same call, and the following week, the same call. And then the call came again, the four weeks in a row, and God really convicted me. He said, you're not the person, but you're going to stand in the gap till the person arrives. And I remember coming down and telling John that I, I'll, I'll do it. It was like, I'll do it. But, but until the right person comes. And that's also important and part of the waiting and the journey of life. Sometimes we fill in and sometimes God's called us to something. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful... You thought I was going to say something then, eh? referring to Tapaki, with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask and, of oil and he brought the anointing and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And that's really important. So in our life and in our journey, some things were set apart for and God anoints us to do so. There's times that I've been in situations and places where God's anointing's on me, but in here, I'm just, I don't want to do this. But I continue. And when I feel like that, I don't look at the people because you just get more intimidated. But it's allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he does in our, in our life. So obviously, you need the anointed appointed by God. You, you need to know you are called, David's call. I know that I know that I know that I know, and when I think I don't know, I still know that God's called me and equipped me to do what I do. I cannot do a single thing that I do, nor take an ounce of credit for it, because it's the anointing of God's Spirit, it's the power of God's Spirit, and the only time it gets messed up is when I think I need to add to it. And then it makes a mess of it. Spiritual gifts, I use them all the time. Discernment, words of knowledge, miracles, laying on hands, praying, and I need them. Sometimes my, my uh, spiritual gift that God's given me is shut your mouth. This fella come in one day, all patched up, come walking in, <laughs> 
And he come up to me and he go, eyeball to eyeball, looked me straight in the face. I mean, I was all ready to run. And he says to me, you think you're all that, eh? No. <laughs> you know, I said nothing. I just looked at him. What do you say to that? And then he said, oh, I'm watching you, boy. Oh, I'm watching you. He said, you'll be just like every other Christian before you. Every so, uh, social worker, good people think they're doing all this good. He said, you'll be just like them. He said, get tough and we'll see the back end of you. You'll get going. And then he turned and walked away. And I thought, plumbing was awesome, God. It was awesome. It was awesome. But I won't finish that story. The mantle was passing from me to this man. He's at the back there if you want to see him afterwards. My journey is coming to an end. Well, this part of my journey is coming to an end, and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead of me. But I retire at the end of the year, and he picks up the pieces. Unpredictable call of God on our lives. I have found nothing predictable about God at all. Five minutes. Right. Organic, flexible, and adaptability, spontaneous. No timetable. <laughs> the no timetable is important. I've learnt that I don't rush when someone comes and talks to me and if it goes past my schedule, my schedule gets reshaped. And I stay there with them and it's not a result-based ministry. It's up to God what God's going to do. It's up to him. I just want to, right, I'll wind up on this. Don't quit. Reset. Readjust. Restart. Because right through, don't give up, but you have a look at that. And that's important. You want to know the secret? Don't quit. Just don't quit. And it so means so much to me that I got me a hat with, with don't quit on it. And I want to talk one more story, and I'll close on this one. John, it'll take me around about an hour. But <laughs> why are you laughing? I'm not joking. Nah. We journey with people through life. And the person that challenged me, the gangster, right, is a guy called Marsh. I know Marsh and all his brothers. And there's millions of them. And I got to meet his mother. Okay, got to meet his mother. So I'm journeying life with them. I've been there every part of their life for their children, from their babies. His, his, his girls, I've known them all. They've been part of our family. His mother uh, got cancer, and she was, she was, she was dying. And uh, they sent her home. There's nothing more we can do for you. And his mum wanted to see me. Okay, his mum wants to see me before she died. And Mars was talking to me, he said it would be good for you to come up. And so I did. So I started this journey. Um, Barbara, I'm going to Whangarei. Oh, why is that? Because I need to be there for Mars and, and his mum explained to her. Oh, when you're coming back, well, I've, we'll get a ticket to go up there. But with Māori and these circumstances, uh, when I get back, you know, that would be cool with that, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, John's going away, or Robert, you know, he's going to go away, but he'll get back when he gets back. What was important with that journey, it was eight days, by the way, journeying that journey was the interaction with the people, listening to, to her sons, listening to other people. And, and Māori, when they're doing that, they, they have church each night. And so I'm sitting there, and um, they look over, oh, yeah, church. Well, you're a man of the thing, aren't you? You know, and so you learn to be instant in season and out of season to give an account. But I've been doing it so long, I've got things written in my Bible anyway, you know. And, and, and that's important. And by the way, when I left, she recovered. And when I left, she was eating crayfish and kinna. <laughs> so, so there, but I'll stop there because I'll um, probably go on too much. There we go, another don't quit. Book uh, this morning. That's and everything, eh? And and so many things that just really hit the mark. Is that quit um, aspect, Richard? Is that is that the key thing that you want to be saying to people? Yeah. This morning. Yeah. This this one here. This is the last one. God. There's times I want to give up. I mean, I really want to give up. Uh, you know, I really want to give up. I just uh, just a quick story. Why this this one here came to me. When we come out of lockdown, a young girl, she's six years of age when she come into my life and what we do, she, she, she ended her life at 23. She just come out of lockdown. They couldn't get a komatua, the family, and the family, uh, in, in amongst the members of the family were, were mob, MKs, Black Power, Crips. So that's what we, we were there. They're awesome people. And I went there, and they said to me, Richard, please don't say that you're too busy, like everyone else, but can you do something? Can you take the service? I said, look, I'm not a komatua, but I can take a service, and, and begun that journey with them. And it's, at those times, my heart was just ick inside. There was nothing in me that wanted to do it. Tapaki knows what I was going through, because he journeyed with me on that one. But be able to speak into their life. And a couple of minutes. Yeah. The, the, the result of that with this young girl, connected with their family, her, her, her um, older sister had lost a baby, uh, a cot death, I think it was, a year ago. Her partner is, is high up. In, in the in the community, but in the in the gangs, he's not messed with. You know, and in my heart, God said, buy a Bible. And and the spiritual journey means a lot to Maori. Mm -hmm. And so I bought this big Bible, and I asked them if they come. I, I want to to pray with them. And talk with them, and I have a gift for them, and they came. And I cut it short because I, you know, and this man was standing there. And I looked at his partner and I said to her, not only have you lost your daughter, uh, I mean your, your sister, but you lost a baby, didn't you, last year? And then all these tears just burst out of her. 
And I also said, it also affects the father. And people don't realise how much. And I saw tears start rolling down his eyes. And we shared through, uh, Psalm um, 139, fearfully and wonderfully made. And talked about how, how important we are to God, how important babies are to God. They talked about how the dark places, God was there. He knew. Every tear they cried, God had captured and put in a bottle and written in his book. And we talked down that, that way with them. And then I said, can I, can I pray for you? I want to anoint you with oil. I want to pray for physical, spiritual, and emotional healing for you and your family. And he said to me, can I go and grab my son? Because they, they had another kid. So he kind of got his son. And he looked at the Bible. He said, this is something that I passed down, don't I? From generation, my oldest son ends up with it. So that's why it stays in the family. And he says, I'm making a commitment. He's a hard man. He says, this is my commitment. Me and my family are going to memorize Psalm 139. Isn't that cool? Very, very cool. Just hit this thing. This thing. I want to ask Tapaki and Moy and any others of the 